0: From a galaxy far, far away. And a bookshelf straight out of the 90s. From Thrawn to Dantooine and everything in between. This is Legends Look Back.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to another wild episode of Legends Look Back, and oh my goodness, is this going to be a crazy episode. I've got so many thoughts, so many things to say about tonight's book, but before we get there, um, I find myself here, you know, it's mid-December, getting into what is always a really stressful uh, period of my reading journey, and I'm wondering if this is the case for some of our listeners or for uh, my co-hosts on tonight's episode. Meg, I know for a fact... That uh, this is something that you are also tuned into, and that is uh, I set myself every January a Goodreads challenge. Do you, th- do, you do this, Meg? You set yourself like a-, a reading goal?
2: I do set myself a reading goal. I usually try to read a book a week. So, like, I usually set it around like 50. Okay. And then I usually just blow right past that, but I mean, minimum.
1: Yeah. Yeah, where are you at this year, Meg? No, 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 save that. Don't tell us your number yet, because it's going to (laughs) make my number sound atrociously small. All right. And I'm actually quite proud of it. But what I I started doing maybe, uh, I don't know how many years ago this was, whenever I first started using Goodreads, I was like, what's a good number? I can read like a book every other week. So I set a goal of like 25 or 30. Eventually hit that. So I started upping it by 10 every year, uh, up 10 books, finally got all the way to a goal of 80 books. And I have absolutely, totally, 100% plateaued. (laughs) I have had a goal of 80 books every year for the last four years. And every year, for the last four years exactly, I have hit 70 books. Not 69, not 71, exactly 70. I cannot get there. And here we are tonight on December 17th, 2020. And I have read 65 books. (laughs) I'm not... I think I'm finally going to have to... F's in the chat for my reading goal. We're going to have to go ahead and finally face the fact that I'm not going to get there. Uh, Freddie, what do you think my chances are of getting to uh, my my goal of 80? We've got, what, 13 days left in the year? 14 days? Um, <laughs> Can I read uh, 14 books in 14 what, days?
0: What are the odds the first word Joe Biden uh, uh, utters out of his mouth? In his inauguration speech is quack. It's the same, same percentage. (laughs) What?
1: (laughs) Never tell me the odds,
3: Freddie. What?
1: (laughs) Freddie's saying I have no chance. No chance whatsoever. That was such a weird way to get there. But you know what? Uh, What about you, Freddie? Do you set yourself a reading goal every year? Do you have any kind of statistic on how you keep track of this thing? Uh, I, I do. I try to. I try to
0: do a book a week. Uh, and it is, oh man, I I don't even want to tell you mine. My, my reading number is about half of yours, but, uh, nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with that. And of course I, I'm very limited on time in my life. So yeah, it's
1: been a busy year professionally for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Professionally. And then of course, you know, school wise, uh, reading, yeah. you know, countless pages of that. So it, it's very limited, yeah. but I, I try to at least, especially for this podcast, you know, it, right now it's reserved for the podcast. So
1: you know, it, it's it been, for me, a lot of reading for the podcast this year. Uh, like you said, we're both in grad school. It's been a lot of reading for grad school for me as well. Uh, I'm actually on a bit of a tear here at the end of the year with several non-Star Wars books, which I normally read about 10 books a year that are not Star Wars or ministry-related. And so, uh, in that sweet spot, you've got, like, uh, some, some fantasy, uh, some series like that, anything that... Um, is like a part of a series I've been reading for several years, like a new entry that comes out. I've been reading the, the final volume of Sabata here's Ember in the Ashes series, which is great. She actually was one of the authors in, uh, from, the, from a certain point of view, the first one, the old one, the irrelevant one, the one that's almost as irrelevant as this book that we're going to talk about tonight. <laughs> but, but, Meg, I do want to hear your number. Go ahead and, and uh, <laughs> make my 65 sound terrible. How many books, Meg, have you read in 2020?
2: As of today. wait, can we put guesses
3: on it? Can we put guesses?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you this much: it's more than I've read, but it's fewer than the number of Star Wars books I own. That's a lo- <laughs> that's a is... big range, man. All right, my number one twenty. One twenty. Ooh. Oof. Um, I think it's higher than that. Oh man!
0: Oh,
3: dang, uh, I should have went last. This is fun.
1: Yeah, Meg's on
0: the spot I'll, here. It, just, <laughs> She's just very just, proud of herself. <laughs> I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Man, I might be lowballing this or whatever, but uh, I'm going to say 120. Uh, no, wait, sorry. I'm about to say 140. S- 140.
1: 140.
2: <laughs> Guess, thief. 140? I think it's 165. 145.
1: Oh, 145. Yeah. Okay. I wow. Wait. Freddy takes the cake. No, price is right rules. <laughs> what did Freddy say? I think he
3: said 160.
0: I'm pretty sure I said 140-something. Yeah, I, he said 140.
1: Whoa. You said 120. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, okay. <laughs> Somebody in the YouTube comments who's not watching this live, you can let us know which of us is right, because you have the ability to rewind and back up. How about you, Patrick? I haven't asked you. Have you read any books in 2020?
3: I have. um
1: been busy with Conjure Book Club. Yeah,
3: no, but outside of that, I think I'm... Um, what? Sad? A sad 30? Since, like... Uh, that's not sad. Yeah, that's a sad... It's a sad 30, because... Yeah. I'm also yeah. lazy, so I it's do audio. Sad. <laughs> we can say.
1: That was bad. It's a pretty low a, number. You can do I'm better. I'm also
3: lazy. I do audio audiobooks. You know, that audio. Yeah. Hey, get that free audio book right. from Audible.
1: <laughs> That's right. We've got the Uteni link that you can have tonight. Um, It can be yours for the low, low price of finding the link somewhere on the website, utini.com, and you can get that Audible link. And whether you have read 30 books like Patrick, or you've read um, 145 books like Meg, or not quite 80 for the fourth year in a row like me, you're in the right place. And I'll tell you one book that you could read, and you can definitely get this one in before the year is over, and that is none other than this absolute masterpiece (laughs) The Glove of Darth Vader, which we are going to be talking talking about on tonight's episode. And without further ado, let's get this party started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Legends Look Back, a show brought to you by com. a show that's been described as a podcast that will absolutely not let go of your ego, where we talk about all things Legends, celebrating our rich EU history, as well as diving into lesser-known Star Wars classics like this bad boy right here. <laughs> I'm your host, Jared Mays, and today I'm joined once again by the great Freddie C. himself. What's up, Freddie? I'm having a really hard
0: time keeping a straight face for this book, man. Try not to to. laugh so much. Uh, It's going
1: to be quite the episode. Patrick, we'll we'll get to him in a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Patrick, man, I I was so excited to get you on because I know that this book holds a special place in your heart. Um, How are you doing, man? Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. Oh, wow, we are really in for a wild ride. I had no idea what I was in for when a couple months ago I was like, yeah, we can probably, we're about due for, like, doing one of our obscure uh, Legends books. We've been doing some pretty heavy-hitting, you know, masterpieces of Legends in the Thrawn trilogy. It's time that we bounce over to, you know, one of our weird ones. And, wow, hey, if our goal was getting a weird one, boy, do we succeed. Ooh, but I had never read this and had no idea what I was in for. But before we get into too much detail on that, we are also joined by our, well, our producer who keeps us afloat and keeps the show running. She presses the start button and all the other buttons. Um, the tamer of real life loath wolves, or at least one loath wolf, I'm not sure. Uh, Meg Dowell, how are you, Meg?
2: I I am fine. I am pressing all the buttons, and it's great. <laughs> That's right.
1: Oh, man. Patrick, what were you saying about this book just a minute ago? It was amazing.
3: Ah, This is one book you can get in get in on one day, and you can throw it away in That's that right. same afternoon.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you really can, uh, which is definitely the case with my copy because I bought it at the used bookstore this year. And, um, you know, I'll say this much. For whatever score we're going to end up giving this, and we'll get to it in a minute, I, I do think, however, that The Glove of Darth Vader it might be in the running. We'll have to do like our own version of the Utinis one of these days on Legends Look Back. It might be in the running. Freddie. let me know. I know you're big into cover art. It might just have the best cover art in all of Star Wars. I don't
0: know of any other Star Wars book that has cover art as splendid as this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is unbelievably good by Drew Struzan himself. I mean, for crying out loud, we've got... Sp- Space Whales in 1992. I've How many times have I looked at this cover and I've never noticed the space whales? All these years. And this week, not only does it have a space whale, it has four. Five of them if you count the back cover. That's a lot of space whales. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> this is just an absolutely incredible book. And uh, I'll say this much. I only owned the first and the fourth because they were, you know, what was available on Thrift Books or the used bookstore whenever I was doing some acquisitions earlier this year. And uh, as soon as I got to the ending of This Bad Boy, uh, I went on Thrift Books to try to order the rest of the books in the series because I'd, I'd like to go ahead and just, now that I've started it, go ahead and plow through, get through all of these, kind of find out what's going on. Because it really doesn't even scratch the surface in, ter- in terms of like the character I really wanted to learn the most about isn't even in this book we'll save the spoilers for after the spoiler break all of that is to say this was incredible i got on thrift books the night that i finished this i don't know four or five days ago and uh, i found the, the hardcover version of books one through three there's actually two hardcovers um of the the jedi print series and i got it for the low low price of nothing Using my Thriftbook's rewards points, all I had to pay was 99 cents in shipping. And it was supposed to be delivered today, and it's since been lost in the mail. So maybe I can show it off on our next episode of Legends Look Back. <laughs> Jared, the mail's trying to do you a but, favor. <laughs> maybe so, but I'm excited. I love me some Legends hardcovers. What can I say? I don't it's so. I think actually use reward points for that.
3: I just think they just sit here, take it. <laughs>
1: They just gave it to me for free, like, hey, we want to get this out of here. I say, this has been <laughs> sitting that. in the
3: shelf since it came out. Just blow some dust off. Just, whoosh. here you go.
1: <laughs> yeah. How about you guys? Uh, have you picked up any new Star Wars books since last week's show? We did the, the holiday gift guide. Did it make you go on a shopping spree, Freddy? It did.
0: It did. I, I uh, actually bought a few. I, I have a few boxes that I have stored just right here that I purchased recently at our local bookstore they had a ton of star wars books i have no idea why but one of them that i'm that's the dream yeah so first of all no legends banners that's my rule oh yeah uh unless obviously you're unable to get it without a banner then you know do what you can but yeah can i got be a placeholder yeah exactly i've got uh, assault at salonia now i've never read this book so i'm curious to dig into it i've read the first the first novel Uh, This is book two of the Corellian Trilogy, so I'm pretty excited. Now, I'm pretty
1: sure, Freddie, correct me if I'm wrong here, but aren't Salonians space otters? I believe they are cousins (laughs) to the Bothans. (laughs) Okay. I think they're otters. I think there's a cover out there. I'll see if I can find it and throw it in the Legends Look Back Discord channel. There is is artwork out there from the Legends universe of Luke Skywalker punching a space otter in the face. And I'm pretty sure it's a Salonian. Wait, if they're cousins yeah, to I...
3: Bothans, aren't Bothans, like, space gold retrievers? <laughs> Something like I that. I mean, they went to go find that... the Death Star plans. Many of those space gold retrievers I know that,
1: died. Uh, yeah, there's, like, the famous artwork of Captain America punching a Nazi in the face and uh, Luke Skywalker punching the, the space otter is is basically, like, the Legends version of that. Um, <laughs> did you get any other
0: ones, Freddy, or just that one? Uh, there's a lot more. I... I, I can't even memorize them right now I just saw a box and I picked them all up and I said these are all mine so I might have there you go more... man after my own heart <laughs> I might have more copies of uh truce of cura
1: hey that's exciting yeah. uh famously before this year I owned none and now I own three <laughs> so that one definitely came out uh, as the real winner in terms of what's taking up the most bookshelf space well how about uh Patrick Meg either of you get new Star Wars books recently
2: I, um, am temporarily holding off on getting more because I have a lot that I haven't read yet, and it's my goal over the next, like, couple months to read them all. Maybe That's
1: perfect. Yeah, sometimes that's what you've got to do. My wife and I were just talking about that. She and some of her book buddies were saying, what if we just tried to uh, read the books that we own? Um, but, uh she's not quite like me. She doesn't have nearly as many books on her bookshelf as I do. She reads a lot more digitally. Um, nothing wrong with that, Meg. Nothing wrong. Uh, you've you've certainly bought enough Star Wars books this year to count.
2: Yeah, yeah, probably.
1: <laughs> well, uh, one Star Wars book that, Meg, you did say you just added to your collection. Was it accidentally? What's the story behind this one, Meg?
2: <laughs> okay, so the book that we're talking about tonight, um, you know, I like to know what's going on. I'm, I'm here to press the buttons, but, like, you know, I'm here. So yeah. I figured I would um, read it along with you guys. And, uh, yeah. So I... When a book is only
1: 82 pages, you've got no excuse. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. So I went on to uh, Amazon to see if I could get it um, in time for the show, but I couldn't. It wasn't going to come until like this weekend if I'd ordered it then. So I just left it in my cart and was like, forget it. I'll get it some other time. And then I went to buy something else and didn't take it out of my cart. So um, now I technically own the book, and it'll be here on Monday. So there that's you
1: go. N- that's not so different from my story where, like, you know, it's not that you got it for free, but it definitely is like Amazon saying, please take this book. Oh, I'm surprised a <laughs>
3: drone didn't just drop it over your house. Just like, you yeah, know, here, take it. <laughs> just,
1: you yeah. know. Oh, man. You just hear like a loud no. sound
3: on the window. It's like, is that a bird? <laughs> oh, no, that's my Legends book. Okay.
0: I'm just imagining a predator drone just flying by with a, with a uh, missile with the book inside of it, boom, just right at the doorstep. That's how badly they want to get rid of it. Oh, no. well, a <laughs> Joker you know, missile. That's you know. As bang. we get
1: into it, this is of course book one in the Jedi Prince series. Um, the the hardbacks call them the Jedi Prince series, which I think is amazing, especially considering the fact that El Rob just uh, put up a picture of Prince doing a little shimmy in our <laughs> Discord channel. Which let's be honest. Is what I was thinking about most of my way through this book I was thinking about like the SNL sketch of Maya Rudolph and Fred Armisen where um, where Maya Rudolph says Prince had to go lift some weights that's what I was thinking about this entire thing and But it's not about Prince the Musician, nor is there an actual Jedi Prince in this book at all. He makes his appearance in Book 2, which tonight we're mostly just going to be talking about Book 1. We'll we'll spend a little bit of time on the rest of the series, but uh, let's be honest, The Glove of Darth Vader is the only one that I have read, therefore, what we're going to talk about in the most detail tonight. This book was released in June of 1992, which really places it early in the Legends continuity, uh, at least in real world, the the real world timeline in terms of when Legends books were being put out of course we had um some han solo and lando calrissian books in the 80s you had the novelizations but uh other than the marvel comics there really wasn't much out yet at this point um only heir to the empire and uh if i if i'm not wrong just just heir to the empire and dark empire are the only legends books out at this point um not to mention Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I almost left that one out. Oh, that would have been bad, wouldn't it, Freddy? Oh, yeah. That would have just been atrocious if I mentioned that one. But these basically form three different alternate timelines on what might have happened after Return of the Jedi, all coming out within a year of each other, Heir to the Empire, Dark Empire, and the Glove of Darth Vader. And, hey, let's be honest, this one is definitely swinging for the fences. We'll give it that much. This, of course, comes from the authors Paul and Hollis Davis, which famously only wrote this series and this series only. Um, however, the, these of being published in 1992-1993 did get two hardback reprints mentioned earlier in 1997, one of which is going to show up my doorstep any day now, except for maybe not because it's not here yet. And as mentioned earlier, there is cover art by Drew Struzan and even, see if I can get this up for the camera, uh, Freddie, did you uh, what do you think of the interior art by by Carl Kessel, which is actually this person's name? It is not a pseudonym for <laughs> yeah. our Yutini buddy Carl. Uh, Carl Kessel doesn't that sound like Carl is just trying to use the stage name? <laughs> <laughs> it does, especially uh, considering the fact that they're that Kessel is actually in this book, yeah, right? Exactly. So I'm going to show up this the uh, the Rogues Gallery here. Instead of a dramatis personae, they have. It's like it's like that game Guess Who, where you're like, does your character have a mustache? And then you flip him down. You know what I'm talking about, Freddie? I do. I do. Yeah.
3: The little heroes <laughs> villain section at the beginning of the of the book. Oh I thought it was yeah. Great. Isn't that
1: amazing? I like it. I think it's awesome. <gasps> it's amazing. Luke Luke Skywalker and Han Solo both have just the the most plump lips. <laughs> Chewbacca Chewbacca looks like. More like Lumpy from the Holiday Special. Then he looks like uh, Chewbacca.
0: They got the 90s Legends uh, flavor for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely. And there's one other image I want to show off. I'll I'll try to get a scan of this up in the Discord channel. The last image in the book, it's on page 81, is of uh, a droid and Trioculus and Grand Moff Hissa. I mean, this is the most 90s... Like mustache twirly villain image that has ever existed in Legends. Oh, man, I'm so glad that uh, I got this one um, as a physical copy so I could get these illustrations. Um, A lot of times with this kind of stuff, I'll try to find something digitally, but, oh, you really want these interior illustrations. Interestingly enough, of course, in the timeline, this was supposed to be in um, five years after the Battle of Yavin, about a year after the Battle of Endor, and there's a lot of Retcons that have existed since the publication of this book to try to make it fit or to try to write it out of continuity. Hey, all of that's up to you, and we are going to get into it now. So, remember, this is going to be spoiler heavy territory. This is your chance. It's only 82 pages, and about what? 20 of those are illustrations, full page illustrations. So, you could read this in maybe even an hour. And you totally, totally should. So, without further ado, let's get it started. In the aftermath of the Battle of Endor, the Imperial Moffs are ready to proclaim their Galactic Emperor at their super-secret Moffrance on Kessel. That's right, it's a conference of moffs called a Mo- Moffrance.
2: <laughs> Whoever came yeah, up with that, yeah, 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 yeah. it
1: deserves to be the Emperor for sure. Whoever gave it that title. Anyway, the Rebels smuggle their top sneaky spies... R2-D2 and C-3PO to find out who the new Emperor is and report back. To their surprise, the moths declare Palpatine's secret three-eyed son, Trioculus, as Emperor. Need proof that he's actually Palpatine's son? Look, he has sparkle fingers! I mean, you know, force lightning. Anyway, he makes a grand display of what appears to be Force Lightning, which is a pretty good campaign platform if you ask me, especially in an election year. But silly Trioculus, didn't you know that the only way to claim the throne is to find and wear the indestructible glove of Darth Vader? Even though Darth Vader wasn't actually the Emperor? Just roll with it, it's pretty cool. So Trioculus dispatches troops, spies, and probably probe droids all over the indoor system to find that dang glove. And that's where the space whales come in. That's right, space whales! Whaleodons, actually. They live on Mon Calamari, and their meat is a delicacy to the Imperial elite. The thing is, of course, as you can imagine, with space whales, they're endangered and illegal to hunt, but imps are going to imp, am I right? So the leader of of the Whaledon hunting operation, Captain Dunwell, discovers some Death Star chunks under the sea on Mon Calamari, apparently displaced from indoor via a black hole or some other space tomfoolery. He invites Trioculus to Mon Calamari to recover the gloves so that he can solidify his hold on the Empire. Remember how C-3PO and R2 were totally capable of doing that super important spy mission? Well, yeah, that didn't quite turn out as they hoped, so their escape shuttle was blown up by TIE Fighters, but good old Luke Skywalker never really thought they could do this in the first place and came to their rescue with the aid of Admiral Akbar. Um He takes them to the closest New Republic planet, Mon Calamari. Isn't that convenient? So that they can download the data and transmit it to their allies he feels the anguish luke does that is of the wayladons through the forest as soon as they arrive on the planet so they team up with their leader leviathor which isn't that the coolest star wars name ever leviathor we got leviathor we got trioculus i know what i'm
0: naming my first son
1: (laughs) absolutely or daughter (laughs) or daughter doesn't matter (laughs) yeah you better not name them trioculus Uh, (laughs)
3: that's
1: (laughs) your daughter So they're going to destroy the Waelodon processing plant. This leads them into the path of Trioculus and the site of the Death Star Remnants, where the book comes to its climactic finale. Trioculus and Dunwell find the glove at the bottom of the ocean, leading Trioculus to wonder how he will be able to force choke dissenters like Vader did, even though he doesn't have the Force. (gasps) What? He doesn't actually have the Force? Does that mean he's not actually a Palpatine? In 90s, in true 90s villain fashion, Trioculus waxes poetic to Captain Dunwell about how he has teamed up with the Grand Moffs to devise this dastardly scheme in which he declares himself the son of Palpatine, implants cyborg force power equipment into his fingertips to give him the power to do force lightning, and now he's going to put some kind of a sonic device into Darth Vader's glove to simulate force choking people by actually bursting their eardrums or something like that. Anyway, uh, and all of this is so that he will be able to share power with the moths, which like, he's totally going to do, right? He's totally going to share power with the moths. Yeah, right. Well played. Well, the book ends with Trioculus escaping with a glove, murdering Captain Dunwell, and vowing to destroy Luke Skywalker once and for all. But Luke, in his defense, totally saves the space whales, because he's a good boy. <laughs> wow. What a book. And I'll say this much, Freddie. This is what I said to Freddy as soon as we uh, started our call tonight. This book, for me, might actually be worse than splinter of the mind's eye but i i don't know whatever score i gave it it deserves 0.1 higher i'll say that much freddie what's uh what's the score you're gonna give to the glove of darth Uh, vader
0: this is tough uh it i think i have to put myself in and here's the thing i don't rate books professionally so all the numbers i give you are always going to be my personal preference but this is a tough one because it's it's written for young readers and I don't really read those books often anymore, so it's tough for me to really reference anything. But just putting the story together, right, the the goofiness of the whales and the the lesson it's trying to teach you with the endangered species and et cetera, et cetera. There's some good points there, and and I'm glad that it was showing the kids of the 90s. (laughs)
1: Uh you know how to do it? <laughs> I don't know how. We need to, to get a it. we need to get a second grader on this podcast <laughs> yeah. to read this book you with Save the whales stuff the
3: evil empire.
1: <laughs> I'm going to give right. it
0: uh this is tough man. I'm going to give it like a uh, five.
1: Oh, hey, that's generous. I was thinking like 2.9. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh that. Patrick, you know, the the thing is for you, I know you read this when you were younger. For me, this is one that I saw on the shelf and instead opted for, you know, like, the new Jedi Order at age 10. Um, so I just went straight into the deep end. Uh, I read a lot of, like, the Jude Watson books, the, like, Jedi Academy, Jedi Apprentice, um, or what are they called? Jedi Quest You know, I read a lot of those, but uh, famously never read these. However, so many friends and family members in my life who have only ever read, like, a few Star Wars books, this is a series that they read as kids. So this book, at least for, like, my brother-in-law, Riley, he read these books when he was younger. I was talking to a friend, uh, my friend Caleb's big into Star Wars books with me. Um, He was saying he read these as a kid. Uh, Patrick, I know for you, there's a nostalgic element in all of this. So uh, what's your rating, man?
3: All right. Child Patrick says seven, because that's child Patrick okay. and he doesn't know any better. Grown Patrick <laughs> says held to the point zero. No. <laughs> do you
1: do you give it a one? Does it does it even get uh, a one? It gets a two.
3: It gets a two. Okay,
1: oh, two is fair. Two is fair. What's fun is there's not actually an official Utini rating on these, so we're gonna have to try to come up with that before tonight's over. Um, so that we can go ahead and, and give us some some quotes and updates. So everybody, if you've read this book along with us, we really need your reviews on the site and get some some um, some fan comments on this. I'm gonna think, die laughing wow. if that's well, like, the
3: next review on the Living Force next week.
1: <laughs> they read they read the uh, a bunch of Glove of Darth Vader reviews. They're like, why is everybody reviewing this thing all at once? <laughs> and we'd love to know: Is this a book that you read when you were younger? Is this something that uh, holds a nostalgic place for you? Seriously, we'd like to know. And if you give it uh, more than a two-point... What's our highest rating tonight? A five? Freddie says a five? Yeah. Um, Barely. If you give it higher than that, it takes the cake. Well, as we have done in recent episodes, we've been doing two-part roundtables. The first episode, we talk about the characters. The second episode we talk about um the overarching questions for the thron trilogy we had six episodes to talk about that whole trilogy two episodes per book there are six books in this series so for the next 12 weeks we're going to be talking all about jedi prince aren't you excited okay no we're, we're not quite going to do that um, the, the look on patrick's face says it all we are going to in this one episode so you tell you everything you need to know about this Jedi Prince series. Specifically, The Glove of Darth Vader. We'll have a couple of questions about characters that pop up in the rest of the series as well. So let's start with those characters and the infamous villain of this bad boy, Trioculus himself. Not to be confused with Triclops, <laughs> who comes up in Book 2, who we discover is the actual son of Palpatine. Maybe? Kind of? There's retcons. We'll get there. Trioculus, though... Um, Patrick, at what point did you start to question whether or not Trioculus was actually the son of Palpatine?
3: When I saw that third bulging eye in his forehead
1: <laughs> oh. Okay, that, that was a giveaway?
3: Uh, I'm just saying, well, knowing what I know from um good old Papa Palps, you know he would have disowned him if his kid came out with three eyes.
1: Yeah. Like, no boy am yeah, I totally. gonna have
3: a third eye?
1: Throw him in the trash <laughs> compactor give him with to that the, little squid thing. <laughs> into the trash compactor, flyboy. Oh, my goodness. You know, I can imagine him passing off his son to, like, a a droid to raise or something like that. Um, Trioculus, for me, hey, you discovered it faster than I did. I was definitely like, okay, I know that this series, like, there's a descendant of Palpatine. I'm not sure who it is. I've heard of a Ken Palpatine. I know he's going to come up at some point. Uh, We're going to get there. So maybe Trioculus is his dad, or maybe Trioculus is actually named Ken. Maybe we'll get there eventually at the end of the book. I got to say... I was a little bit surprised. So hey, um, maybe, maybe that was <laughs> was late to the party or slow on the roll. What about you, Freddy? When did you figure it out?
0: Uh, yeah, this is a tough one. I didn't. I didn't actually know until he was talking about it. But if you know, you look at the grand scheme of things. I, in my opinion, I just saw the space whales, and I was like, anything goes. Three eyes, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I didn't. I didn't know until he actually said it. I was. I was caught by surprise. I was like, "Oh my goodness, this guy is pulling it over on all of them."
1: All right. I'm glad I'm not in this alone, Freddie. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, amazingly, what solidified his his hold on the the the, the claim to the throne is. There's two things. One, there is a rumor going around on Coruscant or throughout the galaxy that Palpatine has a three eyed son. That he disowned who was a mutant. And yeah, they were like, well, I guess he's just kind of stayed under wraps until now. I've heard the rumor about a three eyed son. Guess it could be him. And the force lightning. So he's got the rumor and the force lightning and the support of the moths, so I guess that's three things. That's really all you need, right? Um Freddie, what did you make of Trioculus's fake force powers? This is actually not so different from an element that came up recently in canon in um the, the first of <laughs> of three Darth Vader comics. We're now on our third volume of Darth Vader comics. This was the first one by Karen Gillan. Um, there was, like, the, the, the X-Men of Star Wars, but they were evil. There was, like, a Mon cow, and they had, like, implants to simulate force powers. Did you read this? You know what I'm talking about? I had never read this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's something that's not so different from, from an actual canon element in, in a recent comic. Uh, Freddie, though when did what did you make of Trioculus's fake force powers? Was this smart? Was this dastardly? Was it stupid? What do you think?
0: I think it's brave that he would fake them because it, you know I'm I'm trying to think of Jedi force powers and it doesn't seem like it's something that you can really fake that well. But obviously he did it cybernetics, uh, you know, leave it to to Star Wars to invent some new technologies to simulate Jedi powers. But, yeah. Yeah, What about you? uh, One more thing, I was thinking, he reminds me of Hondo Anaka, who I'm pretty sure Hondo created a lot of things that were similar to Jedi. Uh, I can't remember exactly. I've got to go back and watch those episodes.
1: Oh, okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, I'll say this much on the cover, the Drew Struzan cover art. Pictures, um, Trioculus, very different than the interior art. I'm trying to remember the name of the actor who played Agent Smith in um, like, The Matrix. Um, not you know what I'm talking about?
0: No. It's um, not,
1: not Keanu Reeves, the villain. Um, what is the actor's name? Hugo Weaving. Yeah. So on the cover, correct me if I'm wrong here, I am fairly certain that this is Hugo Weaving. Um, that he is portraying or at least very looks a lot like Hugo Weaving as Trioculus, which maybe the early nineties is too early for Hugo Weaving to be um <laughs> you know, to, to be a thing, to be popular as an actor. But he definitely looks like Devenir. The interior art though, he really looks very mustache twirly. <laughs> yeah. Um like like a Grand Admiral Thrawn on a very bad day and not blue and has a third eye. Anyway, um Uh, It's definitely bold, definitely brave. Patrick, what do you think about the fake force powers?
3: Hey, man, you gotta fake it till you make it. That's right. He was on his way to making it.
1: (laughs) Check out this quote. This was an actual quote. This is actual text from the book. I kid you not, okay? So this is saving you from reading it, everybody. This is something that's actually in the book. He says this. My father, the emperor, had many powers of the dark side, but without three eyes he become he became obsessed with well no i skipped uh skipped lines, take two my father, the emperor, had many powers of the dark side, but without three eyes, he could never achieve perfection <laughs> without three eyes, he could never achieve perfection so um if you actually look up his powers on wikipedia on on Wikipedia or the wook, as I like to call it, if you look up his powers like you know powers and abilities section with every character with this one. Uh, there's the power of his uh, his implanted lightning fingers. There's the power of his glove, and the fact that he installs like this uh, sonar ear busting device to simulate a force choke. And there's a third power that is his third eye. His third eye is one of his <laughs> powers, which apparently has hypnotic powers. Mm-hmm. Did you catch that? Is that in this book, Freddie?
0: They they talked about it briefly with Captain Dunwell, I believe, but they didn't really go into it.
1: His hypnotic third eye. Look at not this one, not this one, this one—the one right in the middle of the forehead. Okay. It'd Be funny if it was like
0: the left or the right
1: one, but not the one on the forehead. Yeah. Nope. No, not that one. <laughs> Don't look at that one. Look at this one. No, not this one. Look at this. One. <laughs> anyway, amazing, amazing.
0: Like an amazing
3: experience for him.
2: <laughs>
3: What's Wait, that? So going to the That's optometrist th- might be an amazing experience for him. He just like puts a uh, oh, thing in his yeah. forehead. You will cover my copay. Zzz. <laughs> my insurance is hey, accepted. Absolutely. Zzz.
1: Uh, you know, later in the series, though, Trioculus becomes obsessed with trying to marry Princess Leia, even though this book ends in Leia and Han's wedding, uh, which eventually, you know, is retconned into saying, well, this wasn't actually their wedding, because they get married in the courtship of, of, the courtship of Princess Leia, but, you know, happy endings and all that. Um, we also have uh, him becoming obsessed with trying to kill Ken Palpatine. Then he gets in, involved in a scuffle with his rival, Zorba the Hutt. I love me a good Legendsy Hut. <laughs> and on and, and, and top of all that, he has his fake force powers and his false identity. Uh, Freddy, which of these do you think, you know, the the obsession with Leia, Ken Palpatine, trying to defeat Zorba, the fake force powers, the false identity, you got a lot of options here. Which of these was his biggest mistake? What's his real downfall? And don't say the third eye. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, can we claim Pizza
0: the Hut first of all? I want to claim Pizza the Hut. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> pizza the hut was found fault. dead
3: after he ate himself
0: <laughs> uh let's see i don't know i i i would say definitely of course it's his fake identity but i mean you don't cross a hut man you never
1: cross a hut yeah absolutely that's a good point i can't actually say because i haven't gotten to Zorbe yet so i'm not sure not sure what uh, her whole deal is her his uh who knows Patrick, what do you think? Where did uh, Trioculus go wrong in this scheme? Um, trying to marry Princess... At least least in this book, he's pulling it off. In this book, but the grand scheme, he's trying
3: to marry Princess Leia. Nope. Messed up and started an intergalactic love triangle. That'll get you (laughs) nothing but problems, man. (laughs) Even if you do marry her, she doesn't like you. Then she's gonna take half the empire. Boom. That's how alimony works in the galaxy far, far away.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Take a lesson from Prince Isolder. I mean, Fabio. Um, it's, it's never right to try to marry a princess and steal her out from under Han Solo. If there's one thing Han Solo is, it's incredibly stubborn, especially when it comes to his ladies. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll try Oculus. Hey, he's pulling it off in this book. He, he successfully gets the glove of Darth Vader and even upgrades it, which is, you know, kind of bold to do. Um, one of the things of course that comes up in this is the fact that although he has claimed the title of Emperor, there is this, like, sub-cult that's is kind of running behind the scenes known as the Prophets of the Dark Side and their leader, Kanadin, or something like that. Uh, he is is making this prophecy, this prediction that, you will you actually have to have the Glove of Darth Vader in order to claim the throne, which is interesting. And then, in uh, the next book, there ends up being this prophecy that there is a Jedi prince who we find out is actually Palpatine's real grandson that has a claim to the throne. You're going to have to eliminate him if you actually want the throne. It's a whole thing, Ken Palpatine. Really, it's a thing. We're getting there. But in your opinion, Freddie, how do the prophets of the dark side fit into Legends continuity? This is something for me that that actually kind of works. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I like it. I, you know, the 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 light, the I guess the light side of the Force, the Jedi, as we'll call them. But they do have
1: prophets, right? <laughs> they
0: do have so prophets. Is something,
1: yeah, that's come up more prominently recently. Yeah, in, um, like a. Uh, claudia gray's stuff Mm -hmm.
0: so part of it is if if they have profits why can't the dark side have profits and i think it's a great idea granted i don't know how how the sith would take that right they don't tell me what to think kind of kind of people right just that's that's their mo so I, i would find it hard for uh i guess dark prophets to really succeed as compared to jedi prophets
1: yeah, you know the the whole thing with predicting the future, of course, uh, as Yoda says, is what uh, it's always in motion. So I imagine that like dark side prophets are not going to be nearly as forgiving in terms of <laughs> like being open to possibilities. They're probably going to say like this is the way it is, you better do it right, right? Um for me it really fits in well because you've got and I don't know how exactly this is established, but in my head my head legends, there's those uh Purple-robed weirdos hanging out with Palpatine at, in Return of the Jedi before, like, the, the throne room scene. You know what I'm talking about? Purple-robed weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not talking about uh, the regular Legends look-back crew. I'm talking about, you know, the ones with the big hats. Right? Uh, that's In my mind, that's who the Prophets of the dark side are. Like, they go to Palpatine and tell him, like, hey, this whole plan is not going to work well. You better abort at the last minute. Um, you're about to be eliminated, we've received a vision, that works for me, Uh, I think in canon recently that's been brought back in, Uh, we've we've learned a little bit more about who they are, Uh, I can't tell you off the top of my head, I run the Legends podcast here, so Um, uh, pretty well read with canon, but don't retain it Quite on the same way, because something special about making a podcast about this stuff that causes you to like really read it with a lot of attention to detail. Um, you you kind of walk the fence between legends and canon, though, Patrick. We claim you over here. You're also on Kanja Book Club. Um, how do you? How do the prophets of Dark Side fit in in the continuity for you?
3: No, I'm with y'all. It does make sense. Like I said, one order is going to have their own mystics, their own people who are trying to foresee the future and you know manipulate it. And it would be natural for the other side. Grant, I don't see the Sith listening to them at all. Like, yeah. can you uh, can you see them taking a warning seriously? Like they're they're anti-maskers. They're not listening.
1: Yeah, they like they're the ones that like to spray paint the word "don't" over the word right. "stop" on all the space <laughs> stop signs. Um, yeah, I imagine that they're my not force great powers, at my listening. Life. <laughs> I'm imagining that like. Prophets of the Dark Side, they're more, like, Darksiders are about controlling the Force, not listening to the Force. Not great listeners to the Sith, you know, not exactly what they're known for. Uh, but it's something that, that kind of works in this series, at least. It's nice to have different factions within the villains. And um, one of these factions, of course, is the fact that Trioculus is trying to usurp the M- the Empire because, hey, after all, there is... This rumor that Palpatine had a three-eyed son, and we do find out later in the series that, well, he did, and he was rejected, and he's not nearly as villainous as uh, Trioculus in his name. Not to be confused with Trioculus is Triclops. That's wow. What a great name, ever. that one. <laughs> Triclops. Yeah, not Cyclops, but Triclops. He can shoot three lasers at once. <laughs> um, who first ends up? If I'm... If I'm right here, and let's be honest, my knowledge of him is entirely from the Wook, ends up having a love child with a a Jedi, which is kind of fun, and uh, dangerous and off-limits, and eventually results in their own child, who has exactly two eyes, but lots of Force potential. Um, Ken Palpatine, but he doesn't want to be known by Ken Palpatine, just Ken. It's just Ken, uh, who is raised in the Lost City of the Jedi on Yavin 4... I'm not making this stuff up. This is actually in this series. And let's be honest, there's a lot of attempts at retconning Triclops, the fact that Palpatine had a three-eyed son, okay, to varying degrees of success, let's be honest, depending on one's point of view, of course. Uh, One, of course, is that Triclops was not Palpatine's biological son, but the product of a scientific experiment. One version of this story, the one that I like the most, is that he was brought about by Darth Plagueis, not by Palpatine, using some of Palpatine's genes, which is very interesting. Another retcon is to make Triclops the son of Palps and Sly Moore, which seems to be the most established version of the story, if we're going to consider any of this established at all. And another retcon is that the Jedi Prince series had in fact been a children's story of the actual events told to... The Solo Children by Leia. What a bedtime story (laughs) about Palpatine's three-eyed love child. Which of these versions, Patrick, do you prefer? Which of the retcons makes this uh, work the best for you?
3: Um, I like the bedtime story one. She (laughs) like she's just playing this all up. Like it kind of happened, but you know, I just had to make it interesting so they shut up and go to bed.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Hey, if one thing's for certain about Palpatine. Um, he's really good at comebacks and he always has more um, hidden love children than you think he (laughs) He had to be emperor there was
3: no way he was not paying off all that child support if he wasn't he had to be (laughs) it was top or bust baby
0: Uh, Freddie which of these versions works the best for you Uh, you know I like I, I love Ken Palpatine first of all, just, hey, no, just call me Ken, not, not Ken Palpatine. Yeah, you know? it's just Ken. <laughs> just call me Ken. <laughs> I'm not going to call you that. <laughs> but I, I really like the idea of a bedtime story for the kids, and, you know, reading this, I'm now putting it into, like, if that were the, the book that I read, I, it would make sense, right? But uh, that, that's not exactly what happened. But I like that idea
1: of her you know, reading
0: the, the book to the kids.
1: Obviously, this coming out in 1992 predates... Uh, the existence of Darth Plagueis in established chronology. However, one retcon um, that, that does make a lot of sense to me is that Darth Plagueis, in his attempts to learn how to manipulate life, ma- manipulate midichlorians, and Palpatine, of course, in Dark Empire, which I love, and uh, I- even now in The Rise of Skywalker in canon, we- we've got Palpatine doing these these biological experiments to try to prolong life, and there's clones, and... Oh, boy, are there ever clones in Legends. <laughs> um, one version of this is is that um, Triclops is a failed experiment, right, to have a three-eyed mutant son of Palpatine um, who then is rejected and cast off. But then, like, hey, he doesn't want to pursue the dark path, and so he ends up marrying a Jedi or having a love child by a Jedi. I'm not totally sure on the nature of that relationship. We'll get there one of these days. Um, which ends up in Ken Palpatine who falls in with the good guys. It was rescued by Luke Skywalker there on Yavin 4. Um, who, of course, Ken Palpatine is accompanied by his droid, Microchip. What great names in this series. What great names. And his pet, Mooka, named Zebo, who was discovered by Trioculus after learning of the prophecy of the Jedi prince and the prophets of the dark side, then was taken in by Luke Skywalker, joined the Rebel Alliance, you know, Ken Palpatine. Now, be careful, everybody, if you're Googling on the Wook about Ken Palpatine, because there is a fake Wikipedia page about Ken Palpatine that is not the canonical Legends version of the story of Ken Palpatine, which is basically somebody who really had a field day with taking the story of Ken Palpatine and then making him go down this dark path of him being evil and taking over the galaxy, and it is wild, and it's got a picture of Jason Solo as the image. I was reading this thing earlier and was like, what happened? I'm pretty sure that's not what happens in this story, so be careful out there. It is the Wild West on the Wook when it comes to Ken Palpatine. Uh, but, Freddie, let me ask you this. You know, when it comes to Ken, um, uh, does it make any sense to you that Palpatine's grandson would choose um, to follow the light path and, and follow him with Luke Skywalker? Or, you know, if you're the grandson of of Palpatine and you realize that like the, the current pretender emperor is gunning for you. Uh, do you try to take the throne for yourself? Which <laughs> path do you choose if you're Ken Palpatine?
0: I could never, never see a Palpatine relative ever go to the light side. Uh, obviously we've seen that, but yeah, I, I think it's have pretty we, cool. Have we seen that? <laughs> I think we've, yeah. I, I, I like the fact that, uh, you know, Palpatine just because his name is Palpatine uh, I don't think he has to be a Sith, right? But obviously, yeah, there's a lot of
1: storytelling potential here. I could see a
0: lot of you know angst, but the opposite way. Uh, you know, Palpatine telling his son, "Go kill that person." He's like, "I don't want to kill them." You know, <laughs> I just of. want to save the space whales. <laughs> I just want to save the whales, Dad. <laughs> exactly. You're a
3: disappointment to me and my empire. Get out of my house. <laughs> Was that
1: your? Is that your Palpatine impression?
0: <laughs> That's a great one.
1: <laughs> now say unlimited, unlimited power. power.
3: Unlimited. Power! <laughs> All
1: right, that was better. Um, Patrick, what do you think though? Uh, if you're Ken Palpatine, do you try to take the throne?
3: Uh, nah, it. you shorten your name to Palps, and you know, just go live a normal life. Don't you say want to distance yourself from that uh that family? It's like being like one of the offshoot Kardashians. If you don't really want like the drama that comes <laughs> offshoot with it, Kardashians. You just kind of like you take like the one of like the middle names and just go off somewhere and chill. Just collect the checks I knew this
1: episode was going to be wild, but it has definitely (laughs) been wilder than I could have imagined. Wow. Well, we've talked about the characters. We've talked about Trioculus. We've talked about Triclops. We've talked about Ken Palpatine. Let's talk about some of the overarching questions. One of the ways that uh, this has already been creeping up so far in the episode is the fact that we've gotten something not so dissimilar to this in The Rise of Skywalker, the idea that Palpatine could have a descendant, um, of course... Ken Palpatine, Ray Palpatine, um, Freddie. How does this story read differently differently now that we have Ray Palpatine in the Rise of Skywalker? Uh, I, I think it really has brought the glove of Darth Vader and the the Jedi Prince series back into relevance in its own <laughs> way, hasn't it? Yeah, I could see. You know, back.
0: Oh man, uh, back. I forget when when I was reading about Palpatine, my mom was asking me if Palpatine had kids at all. And I, I, first of all, I was like, "Nah, they, he never had kids. There's no way. He's he's just a solo, evil person." And I've been corrected, so that's
1: all. He's I in have love to with say. the dark side. He, he's in love with the dark side, mom. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, it for me in in the church, um, growing up. There was uh, as a teenager this this movement of like, don't be so concerned with dating. Just be married to Jesus. You know, I imagine that's kind of how <laughs> I imagine that's kind of how Palpatine was. Like he's. He's married to his own dastardly agenda. But
3: think about it. Oh. Think about it. Ken is Snoke. Because you can't spell Snoke without Ken.
1: Oh, just- wow. Hey, mind blown, Patrick. Mind blown. That does it for this week on Legend. No, okay. Uh, Patrick, this is a book that you read as a kid. Um, when you saw The Rise of Skywalker, did it have you thinking about this book? It did not, actually. Um, okay. It did- <laughs> Swing it Yeah, it. no, it didn't.
3: It, it didn't. Honestly, I, I thought more of... um. Rise of Skywalker made me go back to more of like old Republic, um like Sith Essence Transfer material. Oh okay. yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, no this one this one uh kinda like dipped out of the memory banks until recently.
1: Yeah, you know, this is definitely a book that has—a series that has faded into obscurity. In fact, it's really not acknowledged very much in Legends at all. Um, All of the retcons that have taken place with it, for the most part, have been in, like, obscure short stories, stuff that's, like, only released online, stuff only Trevor knows about, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Um, But in its own way, Jedi Prince does serve as an early alternative sequel to Return of the Jedi, right? as opposed to what we got in more established Legends chronology, such as Heir to the Empire and uh, even Dark Empire. Even compared to Dark Empire, the Glove of Darth Vader is, is obscure and irrelevant. Um, is there anything, though, guys, in this book that you prefer? Is there anything that this book does well in comparison to its rivals?
3: Scary-looking villain. Grand Moff Hissa yeah. gave
1: me nightmares. Yeah, I mean, hey, he's—it's the bald head, it's that receding hairline, that's in the, <laughs> the hairline and the shark, the shark teeth. teeth. Yeah, like,
3: good God, I used to freak out like that. This is a tough yeah. one.
0: I—I I, I don't know if there's many redeeming qualities other than the lesson of saving the whales. You know that that was that would be my <laughs> what I liked about this book a lot, and I, I was going to save this for a little bit later, but I, I can't I can't sit on this anymore. Is the the Imperial Imperials have, have now taken an evil liking to things. Right? Before they were just very militaristic, uh conformity, but in here they they, they say dark greetings to each other. Like dark, yeah, greetings, dark greetings I bid dark greetings right. to thee. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: it, it just They've gone all in on the whole dark oh, side. They're
0: thing. they're loving the evil and the dark side, right? It, it it just I could not get past that. Every time they would bid dark greetings to each other uh, I thought it was just insane, uh, hilarious, but also I don't know if you guys knew this, but it it was this book was ordered at the same exact time of heir to the empire. Those these two books, was it? Yeah. So I I wonder. I think dark or uh, not dark empire. It was heir to the empire. Yeah, it was heir to the empire. So they ordered this the exact same time. Uh, Bantam, yeah. So it's
1: curious. Not great collaborators. These that's, early legends authors. That's
0: what I was trying to get to. Is just how how. <laughs> How the spectrums were very different across the board.
1: Yeah, and and they do pick up on the collaboration. I mean, there there ends up being tremendous collaboration between like Mike Stackpole, um, Timothy Zahn, Kevin J. Anderson. They end up working really well together eventually, but it takes a while to get there. The one thing I I think I really like in this that makes a lot of sense for me logically, and it's not the glove of Darth Vader. That one does not make a ton of logical sense, is this... um, the fact that the Moths would want to appoint a new emperor after Palpatine was killed. And we really don't see that in the in the, the Bantam, you know, Legends books. Uh, you've got warlords trying to stick their claim on the galaxy, Isard and Zinj and Thrawn. But you really don't see uh, an emperor or empress rise to power like Trioculus is trying to do here. So got to hand it to them in that regard at the very least. So so why are they having their Mofrance, though on Kessel? That's a big question I've got about this. First of all, why mofrins? Kessel? Moffrance. I mean, that's a great name. <laughs> Absolutely great. Down here Meg laugh in the background. And there. you have to start um, all
3: Mofrances by twirling your evil mustache. Just like you have a whole dark readings. Yeah, dark greetings. <laughs> twirls evil mustache for 30 seconds and you we can begin grow this one out a little bit yeah. more.
1: <laughs> then I could start twirling it. Um why, why on Kessel though, Freddie? What do you think about the way this book um, references like a orig- original trilogy locations? Oh, it's so it's pretty funny. egregious, isn't it? it? It is, especially for this time frame.
0: They just they just grabbed some of the most popular things, planets that you could think of, or just not even popular. I just feel like they just went up to like a map of the galaxy, right? Just say George Lucas's office, and they're like, all right, Mon Calamari and this one over here. What is that one, Kessel? Okay, let's pick those two. <laughs> And then, uh, uh, t-
1: To be fair, neither of those planets are in the original trilogy.
0: Yeah, and, and it's also crazy to me because they try to retcon themselves by picking a planet, Mon Calamari, uh, where the Death Star remains or ending up for some reason, right? Right. Uh, they try to retcon yeah. themselves and say, oh, just some space bubble. Black holes, <laughs> yeah, right. Black yeah, holes.
1: sure. It works, which is not so different from... What happens in the Rise of Skywalker though? <laughs> Death Star remains on an ocean planet, which is not the planet it probably should have landed on. Oh, hey, yeah. it works. If it worked in the Rise of Skywalker, oh. it can work here. At least there's space whales in this one. Yeah.
0: At least we, we didn't get to see that in in any of the movies. I'm waiting. I'm waiting.
1: In um in The Galaxy's Edge, not Galaxy's Edge, um in in Star Tours, they've got a Rise of Skywalker planet in um, not that you can really go to many uh, theme parks this year, but eventually, when everybody gets the chance to ride Star Tours with the Rise of Skywalker planets, uh, you can actually go into Exegol, into the, the the remains of the Death Star underwater, and it's just full of Dianogas, which is a ton of fun. That's awesome. their eyeballs, and uh I do love the comment from Scuma Joe in the chat. He says, "I wish Ray had the third eyeball. <laughs> that really would have sealed the it's deal under the for bun. Joe. It's That's... Under, like the
3: three buns in the back. She just like... oh, it's on the back yeah. side.
1: Okay." I never answered That's your question. That's what the
0: third bond is for. Why <gasps> do they have the Mofrents on Kessel? I have no idea.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's above ground. You know, what we end up learning in the Jedi Academy trilogy about Kessel is that, you know, it's basically known for its mining of Glitter Stim Spice. It's uh, got the big spiders. It's got Kip Duran. Um, of course, it's known for the Kessel Run, which which did you notice its, it's reference to the Kessel Run in this, Patrick?
3: I did not. I must have missed that one. <laughs>
1: So it so it's it actually tries to course correct from the the use of the word parsecs in oh, yeah. the, in in A New Hope. So uh, the, they actually say, you know, Han Solo says, "Oh, I've been to Kessel. That's the planet where I did the Kessel Run, and in less than twelve time parts." Yeah. And oh, it's God. like he's, they're trying so hard to fix it, but oh come on, it just doesn't quite work. Oh, oh it, it's like well, okay, the Moff the Moffs they can't be on coruscant because obviously you know the rebels are going to be you know taking back some of these key planets so let's go somewhere a little bit obscure but a planet that's also mentioned in the original trilogy but not a planet that we see in the original trilogy the big problem with it though is they don't really go they don't fully commit to trying to make kessel a a real lived in uh, memorable planet in this so hey leave it to another legends author to pick up the pick up the the baton and keep running with it and you know, do something memorable with Kevin J. Anderson, definitely does, and we are going to be getting to those books before too long here on Legends Look Back, but you know what else doesn't make a ton of sense? Not just the fact that they're having the Mofrance on Kessel, the fact that Darth Vader's glove um, is indestructible, and the fact that it ends up under the oceans of Mon Calamari. Patrick, which of those to you is is less believable? The fact that Darth Vader's glove is somehow indestructible or that it ends up under the ocean on a planet that's nowhere near indoor.
3: Um, I'm going with the indestructible because we saw that thing go. That thing blew it, went supernova when it blew it. It was just like little bits, just you know, charred bits
1: just flying out there. I'm gonna have to rewatch Return of the Jedi. Yeah, that
3: thing went that thing looked like a nuclear test site.
1: <laughs> hand- Freddy, did you catch that?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's I caught that. it's it's almost like a little supernova. Like oof.
1: Well, in this, it's fine. It's totally indestructi- totally indestructible, not been bothered by the fact that it's been buried underwater, no rest. It's not even all that soggy. Now, not nearly as soggy, it's like a bowl full of noodles, which we love our noodles. <laughs> yeah. On Legends Look back. No. Guy. Luke also loves that. Well, Wasn't
3: his hand cut off too? Right before the th-
1: Yes. It show it should have a rotted hand inside.
3: Or at least, like, little robot fingers just slides right out, like, boom.
1: Okay, yeah, I guess it wouldn't be a wouldn't be real hand. Robot fingers. Yeah. That's what this book needed. Robot that would That really would have made this book more believable if it had had robot fingers. And they the needed ocean. to slide totally. out the glove
3: in comedic fashion, just hear a little boom, hit the ground.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. That really would have helped a lot. Well, let me ask you this. How nuts do you think Kylo Ren would go if he got the glove of Darth Vader as a Life Day present? Oh, right? uh. It's that crazy. time of the year. We just had our holiday spectacular. Unfortunately, the glove of Darth Vader did not make our holiday wish list last week. But, I mean, can you imagine just how pumped he would be if, like, Hux got him this?
0: That would be fascinating. He would just have it. I, I'm not sure if he would wear it or if he would just put it on his, his nightstand. <laughs> I mean, if it's Put it on his nightstand. Yeah, I mean, if, imagine... <laughs> he would make a lamp out of it. <laughs> imagine... Uh, uh, Snoke just getting pissed off at, at Kylo for wearing a glove and him in the elevator smashing the glove, but it's just destroying everything <laughs> but the glove.
1: <laughs> the glove won't be destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> it's indestructible. Oh man, isn't that amazing? Well, Patrick, I asked Freddie a weird question. I'm gonna ask you this one. What do you think whalodon meat tastes like? Oh. <laughs> uh, you're from you're from Florida. I know you guys eat some weird seafood down there. Hey,
3: hey. We will not be t- that. Our alligator-eating slander will not be tolerated on this podcast. I, I
1: love alligator. I do love some fried gator. Yeah, Gator's amazing, man.
3: But uh, I always thought it was like shark. It would taste like shark. Like
1: Yeah, shark, it's like it's like kind of fatty, kind of chewy. And oily, but Yeah. You have
3: to really docker it up, Frank. It tastes good. Like, you can't.
1: Freddie, you ever eaten shark? I have not eaten shark ever. <laughs> clearly Patrick and I both have. <laughs> hey, I mean, they <laughs> can bite I us.
3: That. I got to bite back sometime. <laughs> I gotta let you right. know when I walk into that beach, I'm also a threat.
1: Legends look back where we eat sharks and talk about it. Wow, well, um, <laughs> King of the Ocean! I've got a, I've got a buddy who who smokes his own bacon, and uh, I, I just would love to imagine that that Wayladon meat. Like you know, if you put it on the smoker, it would just be unbelievably tasty. Um, Freddie, why do you think the moths go so crazy for whaleodon meat? Is it the fact that it's like illegal and dangerous That's or is it. it just like the fact that the authors are trying to say, hey, it's the 90s. Let's save the planet.
0: Yeah, definitely save the whales in the 90s. <laughs> I, I, that that seems like the, the, the theme. And Skuma Joe in the chat is asking if it was really called the Mofrance or if we're joking. It is actually called Mofrance.
1: Yeah, it is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, mm, yeah. Uh, Wes says he thinks this book needs to make an appearance on Lightspeed Skipping. I will definitely, <laughs> once that That's show not, comes not back not. off hiatus, I'll be slipping all of my copies into the stack whenever I'm choosing books, just Wait, for wonder, you. Wow, there's some great content here they have, like, to be talking about.
3: Did they invitations to the like uh, Did they
0: send out invitations? Yeah, <laughs> 30th annual Moffrance. <laughs> Put it on your
1: refrigerator. <laughs> Yeah, black tie only. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, I got to say, guys, I knew this was going to be a wild episode, and it has surpassed my expectations in every way. We've got a a request in the chat for Patrick to become a regular, so that's fun. Um, I'll I'll say this much, you know... um, We have definitely done some disparaging of this book, and we are all about uh, positivity at Utini. So I will say, this this book definitely holds a special place, this series holds a special place in the hearts of a lot of Legends fans. And although it is kind of cast aside, much like Palpatine's mutant uh, three-eyed son, (laughs) Triclops, um, in in Legends, if this is a series that you love, tell us why. Seriously, we've got to know why um is it just the the nostalgia of it 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 at least features like original trilogy characters um luke plays a pretty good role in this luke has like a fun little buddy cop adventure with admiral akbar which is uh we didn't really talk about but is a ton of fun you know hey first book out of the gates in writing your own legends book luke goes on an adventure with admiral akbar i mean that is just really going for it in a great way well, I, for one, am excited to finish the rest of the series. We'll post my thoughts in the Discord as I get there and let everybody know um, just how, if the series gets any better. Uh, here, here's a couple of highlights, at least from like the, the, the research I've been doing about this series. Beyond this book, we're going to go to at least two more really fun locations. The Lost City of the Jedi on Yavin 4 and uh, Mount Yoda on Dagobah. I mean, doesn't that sound like a place to go on like a winter retreat, Freddy? Mount Yoda?
0: Snowboard on the al- on the uh, mountain of
1: or yeah, yeah. That, that.
0: I think it's a volcano. <laughs> I think uh, I was going to say yeah. I think it's a volcano <laughs> on a swamp planet. <laughs> yeah. But you
1: know, you can snowboard. You just have to bring your own snow. Mudboard. Maybe? BYOS. A volcano. Well, swamp everybody, in terms of like planning Florida. for some more, planning for some more legends, look back in your life. There will be no live show on. Uh, Next Thursday or the Thursday after, because both of which are pretty big holidays, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, but we've got a ton of fun content planned for 2021, including more special guests, off-the-wall episodes, cloning experiments gone wrong, okay, maybe not that one, but if you are looking to get started on your 2021 reading for Legends Look Back, here is a taste of a couple things coming up soon. We're going to be tackling John Jackson Miller's Knights of the Old Republic series, um, all fifty issues are available, and you can get the uh, Legends Epic Collections with the Utini affiliate links off Amazon and all that good stuff. Um, all of all of the issues are available in Epic Collections, so those are fairly easy to get your hands on. And we're also going to be talking about Kevin J. Anderson's Jedi Academy trilogy before too long as well on our upcoming roundtables. That does it for this week on Legends Look Back. Thanks for joining us. Thanks especially to Meg, our producer, Nathan, our video editor, Ryan, our um, our Twitch graphic designer, Jose, our other graphic designer. We've got an incredible team that has made this episode come to life and um, has made Legends Look Back be a whole thing live on YouTube and uh, not live on YouTube. Uh, we post them on YouTube and we're live every week on Twitch. And you can, of course, find us every week in your own podcatcher app of choice. Um, I want to say also thanks to our incredible patrons. And, of course, like our patrons, you can get in on the -the behind-the-scenes action at Utini with access to all kinds of bonus shows. We got cafes, We got Lightspeed Skipping, Bounty Hunts, Star Wars Archives, and so much more. Also, now that we're live on Twitch, you can help us out by subscribing. Um, and thanks, of course, to Wes for those uh, bits earlier in the episode, which we didn't mention. You can also subscribe either the old fashioned way or with Prime Gaming. Also, remember, we want your questions. Email us, legendslookback at utini.com, or send us a message in the Utini discord, or um, on YouTube, send us a comment, or you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Jared Q. Mays, Freddie, at Wake Up Freddie, and uh, Meg, at Meg Dowell. How about you, Patrick? What's your Twitter?
3: I'm still refraining from that cesspool of...
1: Not on Twitter. Yep, I'm still refraining. Hey, nothing wrong with that. I thought as I was writing this, maybe you weren't there, but aren't. Uh, If you're looking to buy some of these books, want to help support the show, um, want to help us keep the lights on, you can click the Amazon link in the profile, or we've also got thrift books, we've got eBay, and um, there's all kinds of ways to get your copy with the Legends banner or without. Hey, Either way. Another way to help us out and show you love Uteni is by grabbing some swag from our merch store, Uteni.com slash merch, including the Legends Look Back t-shirt or the It Was So Artfully Done tank. All kinds of fun stuff there. If you've read any of these books, head over to Utini and leave us a review. Let us know what you think. And before we close out the show, uh, I do want to say uh, we did lose a, a tremendously important memorable member of the star wars community this week um freddie i know that you are a massive boba fett fan you want to take the reins on this one
0: yeah we lost uh jeremy bullock uh today i believe he was about 75 years old uh big big fan of him he's a really good person and he he made he made us love boba fett without him he you know who knows what the the stance the posture who knows what boba fett he brought a done. lot
1: of swag to the character really for sure did.
0: yeah and yeah, that one line he had is all we
1: needed <laughs> and jeremy bullock hey he's really built his career around spending time with the fans i don't think there is any star wars actor who has dedicated more time and attention and energy to the fandom than jeremy bullock so uh, rest in peace jeremy bullock thanks for um, you know, lending your talents to the galaxy far far away and more importantly thanks for lending your actual time and love and attention to us as Star Wars fans and the world uh, is a little bit darker uh, without you um, let us know everybody um, if you have read the, the uh, Jedi Prince series we'd love to know your thoughts on these thanks for joining us tonight and remember of course keep the Utini fan code and be a force for positivity in the fandom and until next year may the force be with you
0: This is a UTV broadcast.